hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. And today I'm fired up, guys. This is going to be a great episode. Going to be so much information, so good. I love the insure tech space. He's going to come talk to us all about it. And you're going to hear about a huge conference that he helps put on every year called Insure Tech Connect. It's in Las Vegas in October, and the mayor's going to be there. Uh, you'll hear all about it here in a few minutes. Before I get into that, Smart Choice, my title sponsor, and I'm so proud to have them. They have hundreds of carriers in your state to help you write more business. They have 9,000 agencies or more now across the country. It's no wonder they're the fastest growing agency network in the country. Uh, They do some really cool stuff. They negotiate higher commission structures with these carriers, lower volume and premium requirements. They just want to help you. These guys just want to help you to grow as an agency and do big things. And they do this with no fees, no startup fees, no monthly fees, simply commission splits. Go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. I really think you're going to be happy that you did. Find your area marketing rep or your TM or your state director. Reach out to them or just call the 800 number. Talk to the inside sales guys. They do a great job over there. Smartchoiceagents.com. Also, talk to my buddies over. If you're looking at uh, expanding your staff, you're looking at taking some of those uh, tasks off of your plate uh, or your staff's plate to get back to what they do best, which is selling, building relationships, growing the agency, call my friends over at CoverDesk. CoverDesk does a great job with virtual assistants in our insurance space because they train them in our space. They know the management systems. They know the carrier systems. They know all of those things to help you, like I said, to focus on what you do best. And you get to be involved from Jump Street in the hiring process. You're involved. You, this is your employee. Uh, they don't work for anybody else. They uh, solely, exclusively work with your agency. Check it out. It's not going to hurt anything. Go to CoverDesk.com. Great website. You're going to love it and you'll learn so much. Or you can email them at hello at CoverDesk.com and someone will get back to you super quick. Uh, CoverDesk.com. So, again, on to today's episode. Uh, Caribou Honig comes from us from all over. You're going to hear he hadn't always been in the insurance space, but he's definitely had a huge hand in the insured tech space over the last four or five years, including uh, starting a conference in 2016 that has grown to over 7,000 attendees and counting. And this is not just, you know, an agent connect to carrier. You're going to have reinsurance people running around there. You're going to have capital uh, investors in there. You're going to have, um, you know, I should say venture capitalists. You'll have all kinds of different folks there in that, uh, in that arena, in that space. There's always meetings going around. There's always handshake deals. There's always uh, something going on at Insure Tech Connect. And, and I want you to be a part of it. So I want you to hear more about it. The mayor will be there. I'll be doing some interviews. I'll be hanging out. I've partnered up with ITC, and I am super pumped about it. Let's get on to today's show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my man, Caribou Honig. Caribou Honig, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Heath. Thanks for having me with you. Yeah, man, I got to, before we get into anything, I meant to, I talked about this earlier, but talk about these hats back here. You got a ton of hats. Um, you know, what's the deal? Is this a collection thing or is it just uh, given to you over the years? Well, look, it, it starts with, um, so I don't know if your audience will be able to see this on camera, but if I take off my hat, your audience will be blinded, <laughs> blinded with my hairline here, right? Because I have no hair up there. So uh, it's really for the visual protection of people seeing me. Uh, it, it actually started at the very first InsureTech Connect. I was uh, going up on stage. I was like, wow, there's a lot of bright lights here. I brought a hat and you know, the rest makes it easy. And, and then it just kind of became my signature accessory. What can I say? There you go. Are they all uh, those type of hats or do you have different types or are so, they? 
they, they are all fedoras, and, and more specifically, and you know, look, this is your fault because you asked. Uh, right. They are, they're trilbies. So a, a trilby okay. is like a short-brimmed fedora, as I understand it. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm partial to linen uh, trilbies, it turns out. So not, not something I knew when I was a little boy growing up. I want to wear linen trilbies, but it turns out that's what I like. Yeah, I love a good fedora. I'm not going to lie. So uh, I've got a couple myself, and I usually just wear them to the beach or the pool or something. I'm usually a baseball cap kind of guy, but I do I do like that. So um, now that we've uh, gotten into your hats, because I, I have a collection myself, I do want to get into Let's take a walk down memory lane. Let's uh, go back as far as you want to, and then lead me up to now. I mean, I kind of want to hear a little bit even before the insurance, kind of leading us up to that, because I'm fascinated by that as well. I've done a little bit of research on you. By the way, before you get started, I want the audience to know this dude and I have never spoken before in our lives until right now. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, now I'd left you up to that. Let's roll, Caribou. Okay. Uh, I'm happy to be spontaneous, of course. So um, you, you, you asked, you know, what's my background? Grew up in upstate New York. Um you know, fondly remember a, a chore of watering a couple cows, uh, literally, with a, a siphon. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole nother long story. Um, uh, college, grad school, first job out of grad school, working at Capital One. Um, great place back then, 96. Cut my teeth on how to use data in business strategies. Right? And go through hypergrowth at the same time. Uh, we had maybe 1,200 employees when I started, about 20,000 when I left in 2006. Took a little time off, played with my kids, listened to the universe, um, watched Netflix, uh, reconnected with a couple other former Capital One executives. We created a boutique venture capital firm called QED Investors. Uh, did that for a number of years. Uh, 2015, I start to focus on the insure tech category because uh, it kind of smelled like something interesting was about to happen at that point. Was looking for a good industry conference to go to. Couldn't really find anything that brought together the entrepreneurs and the investors and the innovation execs from the industry. Had the harebrained idea I kind of needed it to exist for my day job, so maybe I should just create it. Uh, luckily, got connected with Jay Weintraub, who knew what he was doing in that capacity, um, uh, and thus launched InsureTech Connect. Uh, that reminded me I had some, I, some ideas, some itches I wanted to scratch outside the scope of what made sense for QED, so I, I left QED in 2017. Uh, we launched another conference uh, called HR Transform, kind of focused on the, the impact of technology on the workplace, future and work stuff. That actually had me um, uh, connect up with a couple guys who were launching a new boutique VC fund, uh, a lot like QED, but for uh, more the future of work category. And uh, so I became a, an advisor to them early last year, became a general partner at that fund. Um, so now I got my hands in a few different pies, the conference side, um, uh, back this uh, the VC side. I'm I'm an independent uh, director on a few boards. Mostly, I, I make a nuisance of myself. Like that's really how I spend my time. I love it. I love it. A nuisance of your time. Okay. Now uh, you kind of skipped over a few things that I want to make sure I get into, just because of my audience here in Arkansas uh, and all over the country. Obviously, may not know a whole lot about you, but you kind of skipped over. You said, uh, you know, went to undergrad, but that was no normal college. You went to undergrad. Where'd you go to undergrad? I, I went to Harvard undergrad, uh, <laughs> which I like to describe as a, a really good experience, if not a good time. Right. Uh, and then uh, UVA for grad school, um, which actually was uh, both a great experience and a great time. And yeah. You, I love when people try to skip. I love the humility, but try to skip over. Oh, I went to Harvard. I would be plastered Harvard all over me, tattooed on my forehead if I had gone to a, a school like that. So, well, you, you, you know, there, there's a lot of um, reputation, shall we say, that Harvard grads uh, are a little bit on the arrogant side. And so, you know, look, there's there's a couple different ways to play that. There's one is to just plaster it. Right. Um, and then you get a little bit of the, oh, isn't that wonderful for you, Caribou? Lovely. Then then there's the, you know, you, you completely avoid it and die it. Oh, where did I go to school? Some uh, up in Boston. Um, you know, and I, I think that actually the uh, the best way is just to, you know, when someone asks, I, I uh, don't uh, certainly don't deny it. I don't try to you know avoid the topic. Just like, yeah, that's, it is what it is. I think it's fantastic. And, and I love it. So. Uh, okay, so as you went through, you know, obviously you didn't go to school for insurance. And as you figured out in the last six years, you've been, you know, 
in, involved in the insurance industry, you probably figured out none of us choose that field. However, has it been something that has been uh, an interest to you that you've kind of fallen in love with? Or you've kind of you know gravitated towards a, a fondness towards it, at least uh, insurance, that is. Yeah, I've always been drawn to, to data driven stuff, right? Whether it's undergrad was physics, you know, so that, that sort of is part of my orientation there. Um, you know, my my time at Capital One and then QED was a lot of banking, a lot of data driven marketing, you know, sending around direct direct mail by the truckload. Uh, but that, that's very data intensive, actually. Uh, and insurance, of course, is a very data intensive business as much as anything in banking. Um, so I, I really enjoy that aspect. The other thing I'd say, though, and I, I've said this um, uh, out loud before, um, but I, I think it really bears repeating. Like, you never hear anyone talk about, oh, gosh, I, I got so much insurance that I was, you know, up to my eyeballs in insurance. I was drowning in insurance. I was on an insurance treadmill. I just couldn't stop the insurance I had. Right. You never hear people say that. But you hear people say that about debt, right? Um, so, so there are some businesses, some products where it's a fine product, but too much of a good thing does become a bad thing, right? So debt, too much debt can be a bad thing and people can get themselves into too much debt. Hamburgers, right? The same thing, right? Uh, Budweiser, the same thing, right? Insurance is pretty immune to that. I would say, oh, I have too much life insurance, right? I suppose if my spouse, you know, is going after me and trying to collect that, then maybe that's the issue. But like, as a general principle, you can't have too much life insurance. People systematically have too little. I'm overinsured on my homeowners. No, you, you just don't really hear that. So um, I think as an industry, right, it is almost a pure good. Now, I think as an industry where it gets into trouble is if it doesn't fulfill the intuitive promises that it makes to the customer. Like, you know, think about the business interruption insurance, right, for in the context of COVID, right? The issue was that a lot of the small businesses buying business interruption thought that they were covered for something like COVID. And the contract said, no, they weren't, and in pretty bright line language, but that's an insurance contract, right? term number 73 out of 300, like not necessarily something that a, a insured is going to appreciate when they're signing up. That I think that's when you got the sort of conflict with the claims, with the sort of misset expectations up front. That's where the insurance industry you know, falls down as an industry, as a category. But the underlying like notion of insurance is a good thing. I think that that's a beacon. No, I completely agree. And I love that that outsider's perspective, so to speak. And and I, I'm interested to know where you first, you know, kind of dipped that toe in or heard about. Was it like got back in like the insurance or was it even before that? Or was it a certain carrier or even a vendor to that matter to where you first heard about the whole insure tech? So I know FinTech's been around a while. And insure tech's late to the party a little bit, but tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, at, at QED, because we had a reputation of knowing financial services, because we had, I think, a well-earned reputation of being operators who knew how to like look at businesses that use data or created data, we would get the occasional insurance-related deal across our desk, right? Putting aside that we didn't know insurance whatsoever, right? Uh, we would still get those deals every now and then. And once or twice, uh, even in the sort of what I'd call the early days, right, the sort of pre-insure tech days, we saw a couple that really intrigued us. Uh, so I, I can say I actually led an investment in an automotive telematics company back in 2011, uh, which I think is kind of ancient days for telematics. In, in fact, I actually had an exit on that company in 2015. So I could say I had an exit wow. on, a, on a telematics provider in 2015. Uh, we were also investors in a company called Valen Analytics um, based in Colorado, doing all sorts of really good uh, next-gen analytics work in, um, you know, in, in and around the commercial space. Uh, so we, we had dabbled in a couple deals there, um, starting to get to know the space. And then 
as I say, like 2015, you could kind of smell that something was shifting. And, uh, um, you know, something, I, something if, was brewing for sure. If, if you look at Google Trends, actually, you can see the term, you know, people searching for the term insure tech just starts to happen around 2015 and then, you know, goes pretty hyperbolic from there. Yeah, it sure does. I find that fascinating. And when I first, and again, I would love to hear your perspective. When I first started hearing the insure tech uh, kind of name being thrown around, I always thought it would gravitate and be more prevalent in the life and health space. You know, when you've got the medical insurance bureau and you've got the different, you know, data there of smokers versus non-smokers and health issues versus not health issues and how often you exercise and being connected to your phone and how much you run, all of those things. But I've seen more of attraction with the PNC side and maybe it's just because I'm in the PNC more, but what are your thoughts on that? Cause that's again, really fascinated me with so much connection in our world now. Yeah. I, I think that I, I'll start by saying, I agree with your observation, right? I think the PNC side has been, you know, a couple years ahead of the life and health side for the most part. Um, and, and I'd even say, I think in a lot of ways, the commercial PNC side, has been particularly active. I think a lot of it does depend on, well, health is a very special animal in my eyes, right? At least in the US, it extremely, you know, the, the structure of it is the product of the regulatory environment, right? And it's also a product of the distribution channel, right? So I, I mentioned uh, the VC fund I'm with now being in future work, one of the three big categories we invest in at Semperverance is healthcare tech. Because we're actually at a moment now, and, and COVID accelerated this, where there's tremendous innovation, particularly around what we'd call digital therapeutics, right? Sort of uh, opportunities to help someone with fertility or mental health or uh, back pain, right? Uh, through you know, some, some mix of, some starting point at least, of a, a digitally delivered service. Right. And again, you know, in a world of COVID, that that got a, a booster shot. No pun intended. The um, uh, and, and and but the, you you've got to sell largely through the employers for those kinds of things, which is why for us it's a future of work kind of kind of play because the employer channel is so critical to it. And I think that the the selling through the employer channel or through a broker to the employer channel, you know, broker benefits broker, that's driven a lot of the pace of the the health care and you know then health insurance um, innovation and, and so I, I see that starting to happen now actually but as you say it's a little bit lagging some of the PNC side life insurance is interesting um, you know I, I think there's a handful of really interesting companies uh, we're actually involved in a company called ladder life um, there's other other good ones out there as well um, the uh, but you know I think that part of the challenge around that. Again, part of it is, might be a distribution shift, right? You know, the, the life insurance has not been typically sold through, you know, the direct uh, channel. And so you, you start to get a, a little bit more sort of sluggishness when you've got a, uh, a channel intermediaries can create friction in the innovation process. Sure. Um, but also, I, I think that uh, life insurance customers, they're a little bit more inert. Right. Um, th think about, uh, I, I love analogs from the sciences. Right. Uh, so think about chemistry. Right. You have your inert gases, right? your, your xenon and helium and all and argon. Uh, they don't really react very much with, with things going on in their environment, right? as opposed to the, the other, the oxygen and, and carbon and all that. And, and I think life insurance customers are a little bit more like inert gases. Right? They just tend to not be... Uh, they don't churn. They may not. They don't tend to, you know, even shop very much in the first place. There just aren't that many transactions, uh, and it's a slower. You know, obviously, life insurance, thankfully, is a longer tail kind of business uh, in terms of the the time horizon. Um, so, if you're innovating on underwriting, it may also be a little bit slower to close the feedback loop of did my underwriting insight actually, you know, give me a better book? Well, how long do I have to wait to figure out? if my book is actually lower mortality. I might have to wait a little longer than a, you know, low, high frequency, low severity, like a, like an auto insurance uh, kind of product. Same with, you know, small commercial, I think is same reason. It, it, they're, they're not inert, right, as customers. And it's, it's high frequency, low severity, 
usually, which makes it easier to sort of close the loop. Well, it just goes in with our society. Our insurance industry is the same way. We want to see as fast uh, a response as possible, and we want that instant gratification. And so with that high volume, that makes sense. But I want to go back to what you were talking about with your future of work type things. And you were talking about more employer driven and, you know, back pain was an example you used. Uh, Even that to me lends more towards a workers comp sort of deal. Even though you talked about from a health space, you could help with the return to work aspect from a work comp standpoint. Well, I think you're seeing a number of the interesting insure techs being in that workers comp space. Uh, pie insurance on the sort of small, medium size for workers' comp. There's a uh, an MGA I've been chatting with called Foresight, which is more focused on the sort of mid-market for workers' comp. Um, you know, I, I think that's very much um, sort of in keeping and interesting uh, for the insure tech innovators. Yeah, but again, I think it goes back to that data you talked about earlier. It seems as if data's always kind of been your thing. And so... And that's more of an easier thing to keep up with in data is the health side of things. And, you know, a lot of people use the example, you know, uh, when they're talking about data, whether it's uh, from your agency management system or wherever you collect it from of, you know, cigar smoker or not, um, mm-hmm. weight, um, you know, how often they play golf, how, you know, the different things like that. But it tends to always go back. I shouldn't say always, but lean heavier towards the health side of things instead of, you know, how fast do they drive or how far is their commute or how old is their roof? Things like that always. But he, they, there's, there's data all over the place. Yeah, there is. But there's differences in how available it might be in, in okay. the process. So, so think about, you know, all of the appropriate restrictions and controls that a consumer has about their health data and their pharmacy data and things like that. Right. Um, and yes, they can theoretically grant permission. And actually, we're invested in a company called Naya that is helping to unlock that kind of data uh, with the consumer's opt-in, very explicit uh, kind of permission to make it easier for the, the the employee to pick the right benefits plan, for instance. Um, and 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 you know, until that data gets unlocked, right, both from a privacy perspective and from a technical perspective it's really hard for the insurers to use it and therefore it doesn't get used. Compare that to satellite data, looking at your rooftop, right? That's literally available to the eye in the sky, right? Like it is, it's, you're, 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 it's just there. <laughs> the sun is shining on it, the satellite takes a picture, boom, right? You combine that with some machine learning to say, oh, that roof looks like it's falling apart. Maybe we don't want to price it so aggressively for homeowners insurance on that roof, right? That kind of unlocking of data, which doesn't require some sort of consumer consent because it's shown to the world, literally, shown to the universe, uh, and it's uh, and it's a feels like a very permissible purpose if I'm going to be applying for. Uh, homeowner's insurance, you know, am I am I shocked or offended that you're grabbing some satellite data to look at my roof? Not not really shocked or offended by that. So I think that the sort of availability and permissibility of it is, is different for PNC versus you know health insurance at the other extreme. Right, uh, and and I appreciate that because I think you're right on there, uh, and that leads me to a couple other things I want to get into uh, before we start wrapping up here in a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things I'm trying to figure, I got so many notes I want to get into, but I know uh, I won't be able to get into them all. So I'm trying to pick and choose my spots here. But I do want to get into, um, you know, as a, you know, I've been in this industry 20 years and I've been on a lot of different angles there. But I feel like even now uh, with the insure tech movement is, is progressing and, and it's fast moving as it is. And I'm excited about being an insure tech connect coming up soon. I still don't feel like the sky is falling, however you want to look at that, and see that we're going to see a distribution shift vastly into direct-to-consumer all of a sudden. But I do want to hear your thoughts as you're more directly connected in that space, pardon the pun. Um, and I'd like to hear your thoughts, uh, and then I want to ask a follow-up to that. Yeah. So, so look, um, it's sort of a big question, but I, I can hopefully provide a, a cogent answer. Start, there's really three distribution models, I think. One is direct consumer, 
Right. Send out direct mail by the truckload. Send out all sorts of billboards and TV ads. Great. There's your traditional agent, broker, right? Typically sitting in the, in a room with some brick, literally brick and mortar surrounding them. Um, uh, may, maybe sort of a variation of that of some digital agents, right? By phone or, or online. And then there's sort of a next gen of intermediary, right? I, I sort of talk about the transformation from B to B to C, where the middle B is a broker to B to B to C where the middle B is a business, right? uh, you know, and that can be, you know, a big fintech, right? It can be a bank, uh, it can be an e-commerce company, right? So, you know, I think that's a particularly interesting shift there. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd be less, if I'm a, an existing traditional agent or broker, I'm, I'm less worried about the direct consumer, right? Even in, look, even in auto where you've got fierce players like Progressive and Geico, over 20 years, you've only seen you know points of market share shift, not you know tens of points of market share shift. But I think that um, the other way I think about it, if I'm a, a traditional agent or broker, is to to say even if we maintain our market share as a as a collective, there's a million agents and brokers in the U.S. Terrific. Assume we don't lose a a dime of market share. But there's still this technology coming to bear and becoming available to me as a broker that I can use to make my business more efficient. I don't have to take every call, answer every question myself. There's some things that actually my customers, my clients can do self-serve online and that they prefer to. They don't actually want to wait for me to pick up. And if I'm on the line with someone else, they got to have me call back. They actually can just go to the web, go to my portal. See, see the answer to their question. They want to see the status of their claim. They don't have to call me for it. They can just go online. It's like, you know, back when I did a, a you know, trading stock 15, 20 years ago, I don't want to have to call my broker to see if the trade went through. I just want to check. Great. There's some stuff I want to talk to the broker, but not everything. That technology is going to make the traditional distributors more efficient. That's great. You'll be able to serve twice as many customers, maybe, right? You'll make twice as much revenue. I think that sounds pretty good. Right. And you'll pay a little bit of you know technology tax to the vendors enabling you to do that. A lot of insure tax will be part of that. But you'll be happy to because you're, you're making your customers happy and you're serving twice as many. Great. The only thing is, you know, and I said this once in a room full of brokers and agents, you know, if you're each able to do twice as much business with the same number of people, the world only needs half as many of you. So the ones who remain are going to be like twice as profitable, which sounds pretty good, I think, and it should. Right? But we only need half as many people doing it. Right? So I think that's where the rug comes in. And if you're one of the people adopting the technology to better serve your customers, better serve yourself by making yourself and your team more efficient, great. Hats off to you. No pun intended. But if you're one of those who doesn't use the technology, you're going to find yourself competing against uh, your your fellow brokers and agents who can serve the same customers better and more efficiently. And that's kind of a losing proposition for you. Man, I love that guitar riff. Uh, but you know what that means? We're at a mid-roll ad. I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages you need to quote your prospect. You know, lately I've been doing some demos with them and introducing them to some of you, my citizens out there. And each time that happens, you guys sign up and you call me weeks later like, oh my gosh, you were not lying. This is unbelievable. Uh, it actually works. I send this to my customers. Within seconds, I get the deck pages. They think it's great. I think it's great. And now you can create customizable links for your referral partner that you can send them that they use. And again, it sends you those deck pages in seconds. You get your business done. Uh, the customer's happy. The referral partner's happy. You're right in business, improving your agency. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, check it out. Use canopy.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. Let's get back to the show. Sure. And that also leads me to, you know, even as an agent, as a broker, you know, I feel like instead of us being fearful of that, I would say, look at your book of business, look at, you know, what you're doing, find a, a spot, find a hotspot or a need 
you know, fulfill that, call an insured tech vendor, call an insured tech carrier for that matter and say, here, you know, here's this book of business. Here's this thought process. Here's where I'm at. Here's my problem. I guess you could say, go get them. And they'd probably salivate for that. And you, you also win in that space as well, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the, it's, it's also okay to make a choice and say, you know, the nature of my business or the nature of how I'm going to run my business, I don't want to invest in this technology. I don't think I have to, right, in order to do what I want to accomplish. I don't think my customers are going to insist on it, maybe not even desire it. And that's actually okay, right? If as long as you're making an informed choice, knowing what's available to you, what tools are out there, and saying, hmm, that pickaxe, not actually the right thing for what I'm trying to mine. That shovel, not actually the right thing for what I'm trying to dig. That's actually totally okay. The only thing that I think would be a clear mistake is to not be aware of the pickaxes, not be aware of the shovels that are available to you, and go try to dig stuff anyway. That wouldn't make any sense to me. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great answer. And, uh uh, this trend I'm hearing, I'd love for you, I get the concept, but I'd love for you to dive in, spend a few minutes explaining a little bit more, but I, I get into Im- embedded insurance and I, see, I hear about it from different perspectives, whether it's an airline or rental, it's something like that. But I'd love to hear how this is, because I'm here, I started hearing about it, what, a year or two ago, and now I'm really hearing more and more how this is the future and there's a lot of people taking advantage um, and I guess you'd call them partners with our channel more than you would competitors, but I'd still like to hear more. Yeah, so, so embedded insurance is definitely a hot button topic. Uh, I started talking about it probably about two years ago at InsureTech Connect in 2019. Uh, you know, look, I, I think embedded insurance has been around for a very long time. You, you referenced it. You go to an airline website, you book your tickets. In the course of the experience, they're going to ask you, would you like to buy insurance? You've had more recent, you know, other examples, whether in in line at Best Buy or at checkout in e-commerce. Right? The the you know, would you like a product warranty for this TV? Right? That's insurance. Um, there's been innovation. I mean, Allianz has actually been pretty much on the forefront of this in sort of the last decade or so. Uh, look at uh, tuition insurance. Right? Uh, you're you're sending your kid to school. Right? You're about to pay the bursar, and they offer, do you want to insure in case the kid has to drop out? Right? That's uh, something that Allianz did. Uh, so we're, we're used to embedded insurance. Um, there, there's nothing, certainly nothing magical. What's changed, though, is maybe two things. One, the technology has changed where essentially an insurance product can be made available by API, by a simple sort of software mechanism, right? instead of some sort of big IT integration. Like, if you're Allianz talking to Expedia, okay, fine, you're gonna spend the time doing a big technical integration, but in but that doesn't lend itself to experimentation, that doesn't lend itself to trying, and then sort of scaling as some new market scales. And the technology around APIs allows the, the technology effort to be almost trivial. So some new app in the App Store, right, can start offering their product with insurance coming from some insure te- some insure tech provider. And that's actually pretty important for sort of this whole idea of percolating out and, and insurance becoming available on an embedded basis. The other thing is that you do have all of these sort of novel companies growing super fast and building very large customer bases and looking for opportunities, including an insurance. So the fintechs, remember I've got this fintech background to some extent, so I I sort of orient towards that. But you've got these fintechs that are building customer bases of their own for some financial services product in the millions or even tens of millions. Uh, We were investors in Credit Karma. They got bought by Intuit. You know, Credit Karma and Intuit is an interesting combination, particularly, I, I think they've even stated that they want to offer insurance to their customers, whether it's a small business customer or a consumer. They've got the franchise, right? they've got privileged data, right? and they've got the technological chops, and they don't want to do a big IT integration project. They want to say, okay, is there some, some insurance product that would be a good value and good fit for a particular customer that they can sort of grab from an API? 
Like that's really part of what makes this interesting is this next generation of such large um, companies with these massive customer bases that are tech forward in their approach. Uh, and, and then look, there's, there's, there's then a, a question like there's different types of embedding, right? Um, you, you can have, I, I, I did an article about this that I think was, was a pretty good article. Uh, you know, I, I was the author, so I'm biased. But it's like talking about there's different types of embedding. There's like a soft embedding where it's just a simple opt-in. Would you like to buy this? Click here if you do. I think there's some interesting hard embedding around opt-outs. Right? You, you don't have to take this. But if you don't take action, we're going to bundle insurance in this right, alongside the product. And then I think also interesting is, is invisible insurance, right? The, the, the most embedded of all, where it's so embedded, it's not even an opt-in or an opt-out. It's just there. It's just built in. It's just built in, and you can't opt out. You can't buy a new Ford and say, I'm really good I'm with, with mechanics. I will, I will waive the three-year, 36,000-mile bumper-to-bumper warranty if you take $400 off the price of this, right? They can't and won't do it, right? And, and it's not like there isn't a value, like Ford reserves with every car they sell for the warranty claims that they expect, right? Right. Uh, you can't go to the doctor and say, hmm, I'll waive, you know, uh, if you waive um, uh, $300 on the cost of this procedure, I'll waive mal suing you for malpractice. I'll give up that. Right. <laughs> it can't can't do it. It's no. invisible, and there's no opt out, no matter how much you ask. But, we, but there's clearly an underlying price for that uh, uh, into built in the procedure cost for the malpractice insurance that the doctor could roughly figure out pretty easily. Oh, I pay this much for malpractice. I do this many procedures. Yeah, it kind of does cost me that. But right. it's not even broken out in the line item of your no of your, and. It goes with the same. Like this morning, um, I was running a little bit late this morning because I had uh, the uh, HVAC vendor or HVAC guy at my house checking out my stuff. And he went to tell me, he was like, it's $89 for my service fee plus this, plus this tax. And I was like, what's the 89 Just asking him. He was like, that's just a pays for our insurance, my gas, just to get me here. I was like, oh, yeah. so you built in the cost of your general liability and your workers comp and everything else into that just basic $89 service fee for you to come see me and check on my home. So again, it's not the same, but it is the same in my eyes of that built-in price um, with his, you know, uh, ticket that he wrote me. So, uh, but it does make me think, you know, what's interesting to me as you get more into that is some of these large companies you talk about that build this in or that have these embedded insurance policies or insurance features, they don't have to know the first damn thing about insurance to get into this space and make money in this space just by simply sharing that API. That, that's right. I think that the, um, the the beauty of embedded insurance is really that it, it makes it a product for the channel partner. And, you know, it's it, it's interesting. Think, think about like the banks as a channel partner for embedding insurance. Outside the U.S., banks are actually a really, really big channel for distributing insurance. And I don't actually know why it's not in the U.S., even though it is elsewhere. Like, it would make sense if it were banks everywhere were a great channel or banks nowhere were a great channel. I just can't quite figure out, I have to admit, why banks are great outside the U.S., but not in the U.S. But, you know, mysteries of life. Yeah, very true. Uh, okay, so... Um I want to be mindful of both of our times uh, as you've got other places to be. And so do I, and I look forward to seeing you in Vegas drum roll, please for the insure tech connect uh, conference that you, you know, you started back in 16, correct? Um, That's right. Our, and our so October, 2016. And I'm super proud as uh insure insurance town to be a partner this year in that and, and be a part of this. Because if you've listened to uh, any of the 70 episodes I've released, I'm a huge fan of InsureTech. I have several vendors that are uh, sponsors of my show, as well as I've interviewed several. So uh, I want you to tell me a little bit you know, more. As Last year was a little different with COVID, and now we're coming into this year. What can we expect? Tell my audience that doesn't know what is InsureTech Connect. What is it? How, I know you said earlier you referenced it. There was nothing like this in our space. So you kind of invented that. 
And I think I listened to you another or read something about where you kind of designed it with an audience of one, you know, uh, when you were coming up with this, you know, so not to steal your thunder, uh, I'm going to give you the last five, six minutes, just kind of run with it, you know, tell us all about Tech Connect and why I'm so proud to be a part of it. Yeah, well, and we're, we're thrilled to have you as part of it too. Thank you for that. So it began in October, 2016, our first event, which, which took actually about a year of planning, right? These are not like just pop it up and, and there it is. Um, we, we were actually expecting, I don't know, 600, 800 people for the first one. Uh, we were kind of optimistic, rah, rah. We got 1,500 people show up. Like we were worried about the fire marshal. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. And, and it told us that there was something here, that there was in fact a need that extended beyond just, oh, well, Caribou needs to talk to other investors and the entrepreneurs and the innovation executives. All these people want to talk to each other as well. Uh, but we did design it for a focus group of one. Um, it's, it's really true. I, I told Jay, like, look, please design this, build this with me in mind, right? Make it great for me. And then at least we'll know we have a really strong net promoter score among people named Caribou. But hopefully there will be other people who have similar needs. But it, it, I, I actually think this is true broadly for product, right? Design something that is great for a narrow person or use case, right? And, and not persona, I hate personas. I love persons, right? An actual human being that you can name, that you can point to, that you can talk to and said, would this be interesting? Would you want to listen to this? Would you want to participate in this? Would you want to buy this product? And that, that's really what we did. So uh, then 2017, we grew. Um, 2017 was interesting because uh, the show, again in Vegas, was held hours after the largest mass shooting in American history, which is a high bar. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was uh, after the big shooting there. And uh, like literally, I woke up at 3 a.m. local time with a bunch of messages like, I hope you're okay. Like, huh, well, if you're asking, if you're telling me that you hope I'm okay, I think I am, but I better find out why you, you hope I'm okay. Uh, but we had the show. Uh, it was actually really productive. Um, I actually think our best way of supporting the people of Las Vegas at the time was to have the show. Uh, you don't want to take your business away right, uh, from them at that moment. Um, uh, you know, as you say, you know, last year, COVID year was, was tough. Um, we, we, we and many other people who organize mass gatherings, right, we did the best we could. We had a lot of virtual stuff. But I, I think we all know that virtual, while it has a role, is not the same, does not bring with it the same serendipity, does not bring with it the same discovery and engagement from people. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're obviously very excited to be having ITC uh, live again, Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, first week of October. Uh, you know, we're very mindful, actually, of uh, uh, as we record this today, we're very mindful about uh, COVID and the Delta variant. Right? We've got some protections in place there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be Right now, we're tracking for, gosh, easily over 7,000 attendees. Uh, we're tracking them from really all uh, parts of the value chain for insurance. Um, uh, everything from you know marketing to risk to, to distribution to reinsurance. Um, we're uh, tracking you know across all the different products and actually getting a little bit more energy into the sort of employer benefits side of things this year too. We talked about that earlier. Uh, there's there's a lot of innovation starting to come down the pipe, and so that's nice to see. Uh, and then um, you know I, I think we're we're going to see people from areas that are adjacent to insurance. I, I know General Motors as an example, right? Will be uh, having a role there. Um, so that, those are the kinds of things that people should expect to see. We, we've done a real nice job in the last couple of years getting regulators to join as well. Uh, that, that's actually one of my favorites is, you know, the regulators, they, they, none of them are trying to block innovation insurance. They just want to understand what's going on and be able to steer where it's going. What are the boundaries that are sort of aligned with both the spirit and the letter of the laws that they've got to enforce? And obviously, all the entrepreneurs and the regulators and the investors and the innovators want to know what the regulators' mindset is. What what, what is a uh, you know within the line, and they want to know what's outside the line, all right? So there's actually a great deal of good intent on both sides there, and, and so it's we're we're thrilled when we when we get the regulators to to come and engage in the conversation. Oh wow! So 
I mean, I, I was excited beforehand, but now even more excited because uh, not only, like you said earlier, you don't just have, you know, your typical conference where it's a vendor agent or agent carrier. You've got everything. You've got everything from reinsurance to venture capitalists to, you know, probably some banks there. Sounds like you've got some carriers, some vendors, agents. You've got you got them all surrounded. This is a one-stop. If you want to be in the insured tech, if you want to learn about insured tech, this is a spot to be at. One of my favorite sayings I heard someone use to describe the event is it felt like they went to a rock concert and an insured tech event broke out. Oh, that's awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, rock, I'm writing that down. And because uh, I'm going to use that as I'm promoting this myself. Uh, and uh, a rock concert and an insured tech convention broke out. Uh, I like that. So tell me, uh, tell the audience as I'm promoting this a little bit more uh, throughout the next couple of uh, weeks or months until October, uh, tell me about some of the speakers you've got. Uh, what should we look forward to there? Um, and is there still space available for people to purchase tickets, all that kind of stuff? So, so um, I love all my children equally, so I won't name specific speakers, but I, I will say we have senior executives across, you know, life insurance, uh, commercial insurance, uh, consumer auto. Uh, we've got some stuff on the health side. Uh, we've also got some of the leading entrepreneurs, right? We, we've got entrepreneurs from companies that if you're sort of trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this insure tech thing, you would have heard heard of their companies and their names, I think. And, and then we've got, you know, all sorts of VCs wandering around and private equity folks um, who want to understand what the trends are. And, and, you know, lots of folks will be just spending time, honestly, in meetings, right? You know, there, there are some folks who don't actually uh, go to very many of the sessions, right? Uh, we don't tell the speakers that, but it's true and we all know it. Uh, but they just get enormous value because they spend hour after hour meeting with people that either they knew they wanted to meet and it's just more efficient to like, you know, we'll all meet in Vegas rather than having to do 20 flights to 20 different places, one flight to Vegas. But even better- So ITC becomes the facilitator for that. Totally, yeah. And we, we, we've got an app that helps people discover and connect with each other and, and arrange times. And then there's all the, the social hours afterwards um, that are happening too, sort of outside the direct. And um, and so it's it's really just, you know, it is a, a hive of activity. You, you, if you come to ITC, you will be exhausted at the end. Uh, not because you're drinking too much, not because you're in the casinos, right? You're going to spend a huge amount of time, right? Uh, talking to people, uh, telling them what you do, learning what they do, uh, discovering. Uh, and, and, you know, you can easily spend 16 hours a day for three days in a row, um, you know, getting business done. Like that's, that, that is, this is not a boondoggle because, you know, back to, you know, what did I want to go to? I didn't want to take three days away from my, my wife and kids to go to some boondoggle about InsureTech. If I was going to take that time away, I wanted to make sure I was actually, you know, spending time learning, meeting people that I should talk to and getting deals done. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have uh, we have uh, still registration is open. Um, we've got, uh, you know, some early bird discounts still available on the website, depending on when someone is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, and we, we actually even do sell uh, registration, make it available uh, on site um, on the day of. So uh, we, we, we've got the space. We've got like, a you know, tens and tens of thousands of square feet at the Mandalay Bay. So um, we can generally accommodate people. Wait, wait, wait. Drinking at an insurance event? No. Only after. <laughs> I'm going to say only after hours, but actually during some of the. I can't say actually, like during some of the organized time in the expo hall there might be we might have beer available to people there might be a glass of wine that you could get to help with the discovery and serendipity <laughs> you mean you know networking at an insurance yeah, event yeah, we, we, yeah. we might have a little bit of that uh i'm sure there's probably going to be some golf broken out somewhere in there too if it's a if it's an insurance event there'll probably be some of that but uh i'm super excited about being a part of this i can't wait to be there I've got my room booked. I've got everything set up. Um, I'm going to buy a few more jackets and maybe another hat or two. I'm going to be, the mayor's going to be dressed to the nines and I can't wait. So uh, I'm super excited. Uh, can you give 
maybe the web address, maybe uh, a way to contact um, someone at InsureTech Connect, and maybe if they wanted to follow up with you, whether it's LinkedIn or yeah, totally. social media, email, whatever. Yeah, so, so the website is easy. It's insuretechconnect.com. Uh, by the way, we, we uh, we're rebels. We've got an extra E in the InsureTech because it sounded, you know, InsureTech without the, the E there between the R and the T sounded really weird to me. So, and it was all about me. And I think it turns out I'm the only guy, I think, for, for whom it's InsureTech with an E in there. But uh, InsureTechConnect.com. And if you Google InsureTechConnect, then it'll, with, with an E or without it, you, you'll find us. Um, as for me, uh, I'm probably easiest to find on LinkedIn. Uh, one of the benefits of uh, this name Caribou, uh, combined with the name Honig, uh, makes it really easy to uh, to find me. There just aren't that many Caribou Honigs um, wandering around um, on LinkedIn or elsewhere. So feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn especially. Brother Man, I appreciate you giving me some time today, hanging out with my audience. Uh, I'm hoping we get some more uh, people to Insure Tech Connect. Or at least, uh, you know, know more about it now. Thank you for the value that you brought to the audience. I took all kinds of notes here today. So I know I learned something. I, I truly appreciate it, my friend. Uh, thank you, Caribou. Hope you have a great day. Thanks, Heath. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for checking out my conversation today with Mr. Caribou Honig. Uh, if you want to learn more about ITC or InsureTech Connect, uh, check it out. He gave you the contact information and gave you the web address. Go check that out. Uh, he's taking signups day up, but you want to go ahead and take advantage of early bird specials. You want to go ahead and, and get everything booked, your flight and your hotels and everything else. Go ahead and check that out. I really think you're going to enjoy it. And you can come meet me and hang out with me. The mayor will be at ITC in Vegas, Mandalay Bay. It's going to be awesome. Today's episode was recorded and edited and produced by my guys over at Ready, Set, Podcast. If you've got an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com or look for my man over at either LinkedIn or Facebook. You can find him anywhere. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.